At the very least, I think most of us can say, with a certain amount of conviction, that our interaction with social media takes up way, way too much of our time. We, the regular users of social media platforms like uh, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok and others too bloody numerous to mention, will probably admit, if only to ourselves, that we find it virtually impossible to turn off and step away from the device on which we are currently interacting with our fellow social media disciples. We devour every new post with a growing feeling of envy and inadequacy, interpreting through the content that everyone out there, everybody in the world, is having a hell of a lot more fun than we are. Everyone is vastly more prosperous than we are, has staggeringly more material wealth than we have, is enjoying an infinitely more varied sex life, and most importantly, it's much more attractive than we are. I can dispel this last untruth with a little fact, although I stand to have my assertions challenged. Around 50% of us manipulate our photos, or at least the ones containing images of ourselves. We do this, oddly enough, to make ourselves seem more attractive to people who we will never ever come across in the real world the world outside the social media lie. Women, unfortunately, and, and there's no misogyny or forethought in this statement, are by far the greatest manipulators of imagery out there. My opinion, uh, and that's an opinion that I'm pretty confident will be borne out by research, is that women do this to gain the acceptance and approval of members of the same sex and not the admiration of the gender they would normally be trying to impress. Having said that, in this more enlightened and woke age where genders are fluid and same-sex relationships are the norm, this may seem something of an anomaly. But I still stand by my assertion that women at attempting to impress other women. In my opinion, and I am sticking my neck well and truly out here to think they have even got the right to an opinion, this is more about gender politics than it is about sexual politics. About 80% of us carry around a smartphone. I would have thought the percentage would have been even high, but perhaps that's an assumption just the result of spending too much time on social media. Excessive social media interaction is the power to alienate those without the self-discipline to know when enough is enough. They inevitably become more insular and retreat into a world where they can, by careful use of posting memes, photos, humour and loosely veiled pleas for approval and approbation, gain a false feeling of acceptance and companionship, the feeling of being a member of the group adopting an black unnatural herd mentality. 
There are perils in taking this path. All may seem well. Online life may feel smooth and rewarding. You're convinced that for the first time in your life you have true friends that have accepted you for what you are and who you are and nothing could be further from the truth when you fall under the radar of the patrolling social justice warrior or SJW of whom I've spoken before. The SJW or SJWs will, after identifying a flaw in the victim's walk credentials, begin a full-on assault using rhetoric and bullying and deceit. The hive mentality of the SJW community will soon bring more SJWs to the discourse and these new recruits will reinforce a growing feeling of inadequacy and worthlessness, a feeling of vulnerability and, and lack of capability to take on the oppressors and fight back. You may well think that I'm skirmongering here and, and being alarmist, but just consider my words next time you hear of some young, vulnerable kid hanging themselves in the bedroom. We dismiss social media platforms as trivia, just a bit of silliness for our amusement. That is an underestimation on a fucking galactic scale. There's never been a country, continent, government or dictatorial state that has ever been as powerful as Facebook. And the simple reason for this is that Facebook is taking under its thrall a brotherhood, a whole generation who are more than willing to become disciples. Do you remember Waco? Some of you will remember Waco. If you don't, Google it, because the Branch Davidians had nothing on Facebook. Social media platforms seem incapable of policing the vitriol and indoctrination and blatantly illegal discourse that we come across every day on threads and posts. Anonymous trolls stalk the comments with impunity whilst you Silicon Valley multi-million dollar companies appear to concentrate all the resources on adopting and adhering to the ultra-woke agenda that is rendering most, if not all, of our news networks, social networks and even man-to-man in the street networks or woman-to-woman in the street networks or whatever gender you want to be to what other ever gender you want to be impotent they can reinforce the walk credentials by having like this undercurrent going round. this is the dreaded thought police it's here it's amongst us it's molding our lives we don't voice an opinion lest we upset the delicate sensibilities of some fucking snowflake who will never build up the adult characteristics to resist and survive in the corporate workplace that they're going to eventually end up in they are well and truly fucked I mean, society itself, thankfully, has finally become cognizant of the woeful lack of policing social media is doing and is gradually taking into its own hands the responsibility to put together courses, both like online and in schools and on television, that are aimed at making younger users more aware of the pitfalls and hazards of social media, teaching them to recognise the signs of bullying and, and grooming, and society in general has to do this because of the indolence of social media providers and the complicity in putting young, vulnerable people at risk. The public has 
as usual, become duty-bound to take on the mantle of guardian of the internet. It's fucking shameful. Absolutely shameful. No. Normophobia is the fear of being out of reach of your smartphones. Not a lot of people know that. Normophobia. I like it. It rolls off the tongue. Normophobia. Do you suffer from normophobia? Come on, be honest. Most people are very secretive about the use of the smartphones and tablets, especially about the use of social media sites. Turning like feral cats on anyone who has the temerity to ostracise them for the amount of time they spend staring at the device screens. They do this at the cost, or we do this. I said, oh, there, we, I'm as guilty as anybody else. We do it at the cost of face-to-face, person-to-person, family-member-to-family-member interaction. We do it, we become insular, lying to ourselves and to those around us about this, like, perceived addiction, which, you know, lots of times it can become a real addiction. It's just like... Many of us who lie to our doctors about the number of units of alcohol we imbibe every week when we're asked, our doctors know it's a load of bollocks, just like we know it's a load of bollocks. It's delicate. Anyone with kids knows it's delicate. Perhaps the best result we can aim for is to make them aware of the pitfalls and then keep giving them a gentle nudge in the right direction. That's what I tried to do with my kids when they were growing up. You can't to go and like just say to you, you will not you will not and you will not because that's they will do exactly the opposite so what you do is just kind of point them in the right direction and give them a gentle nudge every now and again and hopefully well i was lucky with my kids they actually came out of the other end perfectly all right and now are fairly well balanced adults who like alcohol but i've said that i think we're all guilty of it we're all guilty of lying to ourselves and to others so we can't, it's, you know, we're being hypocrites really when we, we, we try, we, we criticise our kids and other people about the use of social media. I think it's just a case of like, physician heal thyself, you know, bunch of hypocrites. Now we all view the absolute raft of parody adverts and sitcoms on television with the plot line that inevitably includes the like zombie-like, dull-eyed, stumbling adolescent plodding through life in the glow of a device screen. Where do scriptwriters get their inspiration? Well, they get it from real life, of course. This is just a true and accurate reflection of what's happening in the world today. It's definitely not going to change anytime soon. So resistance to the pull of social media is useless. Resistance is useless, in the words of Douglas Adams' Vogue on Guard in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now, we have a potential ally. I thought about this. We have a potential ally in guise of the YouTube and Instagram influencers with the millions of, uh, of loyal acolytes. These influential millennials actually have the power to spread some kind of karma through the ranks. You see, their word is gospel amongst the followers, and therefore, they have the power to actually... It's like turning turning down the volume on social media, but making it work um, in their benefit, work for them. 
What they could do is go against the accepted doctrine of greed and wealth, both financially and through adulation. Uh, drop for a brief time the search for page views and followers and subscribers and the like. And they could actually acquire used kudos by dint of them appearing to sacrifice social media at the altar of normality. It's just a thought. All they need to do is use the influence to kind of warn kids. Go on, go on to say, like, you, you know, keep, don't keep coming on here. Do something else. You know, come back. We'll see you again sometime. But come back, don't do and, and I think that that would give them credibility and kudos, not only through the, uh, the kids that go on the site, but through the kids' parents and things like that. And in the end, that will come back to you because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good deed that will uh, make you seem more normal and a nicer bloke than the, uh, the YouTuber on the next channel. Just a thought. <laughs> I think this is nothing more than a bit of wishful thinking. So, really, those behind our massive corporate social media platforms, those that spend millions, nay, billions of dollars a year researching ways to manipulate the huge numbers of dedicated users into parting with hard-earned cash and the frontal lobes, they should be forced by legislation into researching ways to protect the subscribers. To tell the honest truth, and I'm just speculating here, they probably do. They probably do spend a lot of money and they probably are trying, but they obvi it's obviously not working and they need to do more. Or it simply won't happen and Joe Public will then again be the one who has to step up to be the guardian uh, and look after all these kids who are lives and being destroyed by over-excessive social media contacts. Social, I mean, social media is just like this one-dimensional Disneyland with a constant stream of new and interesting and beguiling features that continue to provide a frisson to keep the public in the thralls. Social media is like that old pyramid-selling schemes the ad baker about 20 years ago. It might be longer than that, I remember. And, 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 and this is, you know, this is where it gives you this false feeling of people genuinely liking you genuinely feeling that you've got genuine friends in the genuine facebook and twitter sphere and, and this is how it's supposed to work you tweet a tweet now that said tweet gets tweeted twice right so but then those tweets those four tweets then get tweeted twice by four people and then let's just say this this happens on facebook as well because i'm not going through it again be here all fucking night the number, and then the number of treats grows and grows and grows. Blah, 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 blah. And, and this is the dictionary definition of exponential. Before you know it, you're up to your ass in tweets. I mean, the same applies to all the beer mots of social media. But this process of constant approbation can lead the tweeter, into, tweeter or poster into falsely thinking that the comments are being endorsed genuinely and they're becoming more and more popular it doesn't actually work like that your tweet is sure is only being put out there because a few kindly souls feel under a slight obligation to do so you personally as a sentient being with all the emotions worries aspirations and all the rest of the baggage that is part and parcel of being a human doesn't come into it social media operates just like every other commercially 
constructed community funded leviathan we're all just anonymous drones playing our hive role it's like a death only impacts on those close to the person who's died everyone else feels a natural obligation to show a modicum of sympathy before returning to everyday life like wondering what the fuck they're going to have for the lunch it's all incredibly clever and incredibly well orchestrated and when you're browsing history is factoring in, well, it just adds a whole new level of to thought policing. Thought policing, or policing of the internet. You find yourself absolutely agog when you're bombarded with adverts for things that you've viewed on sites like Amazon or by things that you've searched for on your internet browser. It's insidious. It's just like George Orwell's 1984 and appears to be perfectly accepted to all governing bodies involved. It's like it's like fishing, which I thought was illegal. I've already spoken about what a hazardous place social media can be, a place where bullies can operate with impunity. And because of their own immaturity, they've no concept at all of the consequences of their actions. Sometimes, albeit... Thankfully, very rarely, bullying can lead the victims into taking their own lives. You know, I'm not being sensationalist here. This happens. We hear about it on the news. It doesn't happen that often. But we do hear about it in the news. And it's absolutely tragic. I know I've mentioned it before. But I think it's a point worth, worth reiterating. But the guilty party, more often than not, the same age as those they're victimising, and they will, for the most part, when they actually discover that their actions have been had such tragic consequences, and this is due in part to their own immaturity, they'll wear the result like a badge of honour. Until such times over the years when they mature enough and think back on what's happened, this will have its own repercussions on their mental health, to think that you were party to somebody taking their own life is just going to fuck you up something, isn't it? I mean, there are absolutely no winners in social media bullying. The disciples of social media believe that everything they read on the chosen platform is absolutely true. Why would they be lied to by an entity that they worship and have bought into? It doesn't make sense, does it? The social media guardian is nothing less than an omniscient, omnipresent Father Christmas, there to make their lives full of excitement and new experiences and adulation and friendship and the feeling of belonging to a community. All this with no more effort than it takes to construct an email. Sounds absolutely crackers, doesn't it? But I believe that the sparse reward they get for their unquestioning adulation and the meagre gift of a few blandishments and compliments shows that they and we, as consumers of the social media dogma, are way beyond helping ourselves. Society is way beyond helping itself. We know we're so deeply invested in social media. Can you imagine... Can you imagine a world without Facebook and a world without Twitter? It, it, it's not going to happen. It isn't going to. We can't go back again. And I do believe that we will eventually require the introduction of strong legislation to shackle this 
beast and life. Save us from ourselves. Even as I share these words, I listen to myself and I can't help thinking that I sound like an over-emotional scaremonger. But I've got grandkids and I've witnessed themselves locking themselves away in their internet worlds and behaving like feral animals when they're asked to put the device down and join the rest of the family for lunch or a bit of friendly discourse. Mealtimes used to be like a coming together to share food and experiences. <laughs> do you remember? I do, but only just. Another thing that I find a little unsettling is the capability of the individual to adopt a persona at will. You can be on Facebook and Twitter and you can be anyone you want to be. You can be a model, a fashion designer, a rapper, an influencer, a barrister, a a lawyer. The trick is not to leave a paper trail. You can look as beautiful as you please, needing only the tweaking of a powerful photo manipulation app free on the app store and downloadable in seconds. You can have led a life of luxury. Just don't leave a paper trail. You can then be seduced by the plaudits and the admiration. You can be the antithesis of your true self. All is good, all is fun, it's brilliant. You just don't leave a paper trail. It's just a bit of fun, you say, until the social justice warrior discovers your deceit. And we all know where that leads, don't we? And then you have to delete your account. But the pull is too extreme and you eventually return with a clean slate, thankful to avoid a complete shitstorm of accusations. Is social media involvement really worth the hassle? You have to question it, don't you? Another thing, another thing. This, you okay, hon? Where on earth does this ridiculous social media internet patois come from? You okay, hon? There's a whole new vocabulary that's evolved to service social media. It's banal, monosyllabic nonsense that thrives on Facebook, but would be met by mocking derision on Twitter. Social media was originally a place for old friends to meet and share memories. Bloody hell, how things have changed over the last few years. Now it's inhabited by keyboard warriors and sinister child grooming gangs, allegedly. I mean, that's only allegedly. I don't want Mark Zuckerberg involving me in any expensive litigation. Nowadays, you're just likely to become embroiled in acrimonious discourse just because you fail to address someone by the chosen gender identity politics is a minefield we'll come back and attempt to traverse that minefield in a future podcast if after someone declares i identify as a cabbage you snort with derision and reply you sir are a fucking idiot do not expect the full support of the majority of facebook subscribers they'll hurry to display the wokeness in the echo chambers that abound on social media like owls in honeycomb they'll enthusiastically defend the right of anyone on facebook to be a turnip which is all well and good as long as you don't try to shove your turnip down my throat or anywhere else for that matter there's a time and place for everything but i'm afraid that facebook after a few glasses of a good riocca is not the place to proclaim that you are indeed a vegetable. 
And the thing about social media is that you don't have to be particularly literate, which is, that'll be good news to the walkers out there who value quantity of content over quality. Many people out there, be it man, woman or perishable, hardly ever make the attempt to construct dialogue for themselves, rather relying on the only inaccurate power of predictive text and autocorrect. The result is all too often a pile of absolute gibberish. There are also people out there on social media who, who converse solely by sharing memes and quotes and photographs and contact people by saying, you okay on? These are the people who will immediately, if you're foolish or drunk enough to accept the friend request, start bombarding you through Messenger with complete rubbish. You'd you just delete it, wouldn't you? But you know full and well they're going to come back and question you about it at some time. So you have a fucking cursory glance, but that that's never enough. It has to be said that of the two largest of the social media platforms, Twitter is by far the most bonkers. It is controversial and divisive, articulate, libelous and humorous and literally downright crackers. The amount of utter bollocks that shared under the supposed auspices of every influential individual or group. Well, I'm just surprised the air isn't thick with litigation, you know, when people are using uh, brands to forward their own agenda and their own argument. I myself get into the odd spot, but I'm careful enough to extricate myself before things get too salty. I'm on the whole a, a, a pretty gentle, friendly soul. I also like drinking single malt and regretting it in the morning. Right, that's kind of it for this week. But I just want to put a postscript up here of something that's happened last week. I'd likely, I'd like briefly to touch on the recent disgraceful sacking by ITV of newsreader Alistair Stewart for alleged racist remarks on Twitter. Surprise, surprise, when he quoted verbatim a poem by Shakespeare with the word ape in it. He did this whilst he was in a discussion with the serial race beta and overall twat, Martin Shapland. The poem was from Measure for Measure. The word ape could just as easily have been donkey or badger. Like I said, it was quoted verbatim. And no reason why not. Shaplin complained in the ITV being as shit as of the woke contingent and snowflake contingent as all the rest of the corporate bodies, sacked Stuart or at least forced him out of hand to pack his job in. But if you read the poem, it wasn't, the word ape wasn't used to direct it at Shaplin. It's like, can you not say you ape somebody now? Can you not tell your kid, you little monkey? And it's like that. It's absolutely mental. The world has gone absolutely mad. But then screenshots from Chaplin's Twitter account exposed him for the vile anti-white race-baiting gobbin he is. I mean, there was some terrible stuff on, her, about, on there about him talking about white people. But it, racism only works one way, doesn't it? Racism only works one way. I will probably get... A load of shit off people who say I'm not listening to your podcast anymore because you're a racist. And I don't think I am. I think some things need to be brought to the attention. 
Anyway, I just wanted to say that. I think it's absolutely terrible, and I think Alistair Stewart should be reinstated. Okay, if he made a mistake, let him apologise for it. But the only mistake he made was not recognising that people are snowflakes and wankers and just are out there just sitting waiting to be to be offended just searching everything you say just to be offended it's completely disgraceful anyway i am going to leave it there remember you can get us at bewalk.podbean.com you can get us on uh stitcher radio rss radio Apple, iTunes, yeah, Apple Podcast, and everywhere in the known universe. I hope you like my podcast. If you do, please share it. Okay. Hey, I'm recording this. I'm actually recording this. It is now 7.14 on uh, the night we leave Brexit. I've got, I've just made a meal. I'm making, I've made some lovely Moroccan tagine. I've got three bottles of uh, Prosecco in the fridge. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to celebrate us leaving uh, or beginning the journey to leave the EU. I'm probably alienating myself from lots of people who would otherwise read my pod, uh, listen to my podcast. But, you know, we're all like that. We're all human. We're all the same. We might have different views, but it doesn't mean we can't be friends, does it? Okay, I'll see you soon. Peace and love.